this evening we're starting this new series on the stories that, that Jesus told. And this evening we're looking at new wine into new wineskins. But what are these? What is this word, this parable that we talk about? Parables that lead to, to pictures, full of pictures, stories. Sometimes we call them allegories. But these parables of Jesus. Parable in Greek, the parable in the, in the Greek, um, something like comparison. It translates as comparison. And if you remember in the Bible, Jesus a lot of the time says the kingdom of heaven is like. He compared things. He used pictures of the things around the people he was with so they would understand. Some of the things he said were quite challenging and he wanted to make it clear. And so he used the things around them to explain. It was an agrarian culture. They were much into agriculture. They grew things. They hunted things. They fished for things. And Jesus used these terms and these pictures to help people understand what it was he was trying to say. But these stories that Jesus told or his parables often um, have one clear, powerful message and a challenge, something to do. But sometimes we can fall in the trap, um, as I've done in the past many times, of looking at a parable and trying to tease every single thing out of it to the nth degree. We look at every line, we look at every verse, and we think there's something in it. That Augustine of Hippo, he was a North African um, uh, bishop, and many of his writings are amazing, and he's blessed the church immensely. But one of, his, one of his snapshots of the Good Samaritan, which is, which is a popular parable so many of us have heard, but his, his take on it was something like this, that the Good Samaritan is Jesus, that represents Jesus, that the man can walk down the street is Adam, that the priest was the priest, and the Levite represented the Old Testament prophets, that the binding up the wounds was stopping sin, that pouring on the oil was pouring in hope, that the wine was the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think you, you get it, if you read all those through, you get quite exhausted. Really, trying to, trying to tease everything out of, of every line, of every word. When G, what Jesus was saying in that parable was, love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody is your neighbor. Nobody is beyond your love because nobody is beyond my love. And I call you to do the same. It was quite simple, but we look sometimes into, into everything. So there's one, one kind of message and one thing to do. It's almost like a TV advert. You think of a TV advert, think of like something like a Dyson. It'll, it'll tell you how amazing it is. It never loses suction. It's on the cutting edge of technology. And you're on the edge of your seat thinking, I need one of these things. And that will ask you to do it. Can you really live without a Dyson? You've got to do something as a result of what I've told you. It's a bit like a parable. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you this thing. I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to show you something. And in light of that, there's something you're going to have to do. There's a, there's a challenge. So we'll see if I can do that this evening. We'll see if, we can, if I can pull out a meaning and present you, us, with a challenge this evening. So we're looking at um, new wine into new wineskins. So what is the point and what is the challenge? So Mark 2, verses 18 to 22. If you brought your, your Bibles with you, it's in Mark 2. It's in a couple of places as well. well. We'll talk about that. But this is Jesus being questioned about fasting. This is where it starts. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. 
And that you can see that in Matthew 9 and, and Luke 5 as well. But what is Jesus saying here? There's, there's three things he talks about. It, start, it starts with responding to the fasting, the question about fasting. And he replies with patches and wineskins. So what, what does Jesus mean? What is the context here? Well, they're asking Jesus about fasting because fasting had become a tradition. What fasting was really about is really about is, is hearing from God. It's honing in on God. It's, it's sacrificing something. It's giving something up to remind you and to draw you closer to God. It helps in practicing restraint. It helps you learn to, I don't need that. What I need is God. And it helps us with prayers and meditation. When we fast, it, it, it brings a kind of a power to it when we fast. But what it had become about was tradition. It was a lot to do with sorrow. It was a lot to do with mourning. But fasting became something you just did because of sorrow and mourning. It wasn't, it wasn't um, angled at God. It wasn't pointed at God. It wasn't in pursuit of God. It became tradition, superstition, and about piety, about looking holy. If they were fasting, it's because I'm ever so holy. Jesus challenged the people on fasting and said, don't, don't tell people that you're fasting. Put oil in your hair. For, like for me, put gel in your hair and look your best. Don't let anybody know that you're fasting. Don't, don't tell them because that's not what it's about. It's about drawing closer to God. It's not about being holy, but that is what it had become. So then the bridegroom... Jesus is talking, they had no inkling that the Pharisees, the disciples, they had no clue what Jesus was talking about. We do, in retrospect, looking back, but they had no idea what he meant about him being the bridegroom. They perhaps looked at the context of a wedding banquet where the groom's there. They're never going to fast in with the, while the groom's still there. They're never going to stop eating. But what Jesus meant was that he was the bridegroom of the church. The church was not even established yet, but the church was coming and would be the bride. And Jesus would be the bridegroom that was going to come back for them. But that meant he was going to have to go away. So he said, this bridegroom that goes away, like, so I'm here, the bridegroom, I'm here now. They're not going to fast now. They're not going to fast now. But when I go, they are going to fast. They're going to need to fast because they want to draw closer to me because I am gone. So what Jesus is painting the picture here that they don't quite realize is that he has to go away. But he is going to come back. He's talking about what is and what will be. And he uses the next Two things he talks about to illustrate this, the patches and the wineskins. He's saying that something is going to change. This is the way things are, but it's not going to stay that way and it's going to be very different. So he talks about the patches, the old and the new, not being compatible. So, you know, when you buy a, perhaps a new pair of jeans and you wash them and they shrink after the first wash and they normally shrink after the second wash. If you're like me, you think they're always shrinking, but they always shrink your clothes but if you were to get a rip in them and you bought a, a similar pair of jeans and I'm going to cut a patch out and I'm going to cut it on you put it in the washing machine the old pair are not going to shrink but the new patch does and the sewing that you've done to attach it to the jeans will rip will tear it what Jesus is saying you can't put anything new onto old it just it isn't going to work they will not match the old and the new are not compatible you can't just patch it up then he talks about wineskins Again, he's talking about the old and the new not being compatible. They won't, you can't do, you can't have both. It's going to be one or the other. Now, wine fermentation has, has not changed. The process of fermentation has not changed from Jesus' time to now. The way they do it um, is different. Um, 
but essentially the process is the same. So you get the fruit uh, in Jesus' time, they would perhaps put it into a vat or a, or a barrel, or they would put it into a, into a skin, into a large animal skin. Today we'll put it into a vat. Um, it's got like a valve on the top, the, the gas escape is very different, but essentially it's the same. The fruit goes into a vessel, in this case a wine skin, into a large skin. And the fruit will start to be turned and, and decompose and be moved, and it will start to eat, or sorry, the yeast will start to eat the sugar that's in the fruit. Now, sometimes it's naturally occurring, sometimes they'll add yeast to it, but the yeast will eat the sugar and turns it into ethanol, which turns into alcohol. But a byproduct of that is carbon dioxide. And this is why sometimes when you see it, if you do any home brewing or anybody that has this, where you get this froth on the top because you get this carbon dioxide constantly trying to escape and it can last for up to like three weeks, depending on what grapes that you use. So it's constantly producing, it's constantly expanding. But this is what Jesus did. He told them something fundamental. He told them something that was life-changing. But he knew they couldn't possibly grasp it in the here and now. So he was telling them things round about them that they could start to understand. That actually, right, okay, so the old is going to have to go when the new comes. The new is not going to be able to match up with the old. This is what Jesus was painting a picture of. And what he was saying was that there is a new kingdom coming. He was talking to them about the new kingdom being ushered in. The kingdom of which he would be king he said everything is going to change there's going to be a need for change because change is coming it's not something we like to hear in church is it change we like things the way they are humans like things the way they are we like things to stay the same because we're comfortable with what we know but what Jesus is saying is something is coming so big and so amazing that what you've known before is going to have to go because it's not going to cope with what is coming that always won't do anymore there's a new way coming. The way you've always done it will not cope with what is coming. You're not going to be able to patch up a few tears. You're going to need a whole new garment. You're not going to be able to reuse the old skins. You're going to need new ones. You're going to need a new way of doing this. You're not going to be able to make a few adjustments here and there. Everything is going to have to change. Now, just when I, This is not a, a groundbreaking demonstration, but it came to me as I was writing this sermon... Hopefully, you'll all see it. Can you all see that wherever you are? Well, you will do when I, when I put it up. So, so, if this Coke bottle represents the way things are, this is the old. It's very static. There's nothing going on. Everybody knows that Coke is staying in the bottle. The bottle is keeping the Coke in the bottle. We could leave that there for pretty much forever and nothing it's going to change. There's nothing happening here. It's the same old thing. There's just going to be gas, a few bubbles coming out, and nothing at all is changing. Now, what Jesus was pointing at was that religion, we talked about the fasting. So the fasting was supposed to be drawing people to God. You did it when you needed to. You did it when you wanted to get close to God, but it had become a religious, regular, traditional thing. He said, you know, you can do those things, but religion is never going to change. It's not going to bring about any change. The sacrifice that you bring to the temple every day, that you bring to the temple every year, you can keep doing those things, but it's never going to change. You can keep doing these things, but it's not going to change at all. You can keep doing good things. You can keep just obeying the law. You can keep doing good works, but nothing's going to change. That is going to be the status quo. But more importantly, the sin that you keep sinning, the things that you keep getting wrong, you're going to keep doing, and that is never going to change. From, from day one, from Adam and Eve, 
you've disobeyed God. From, from the Exodus, you just didn't trust God. You didn't believe in God. It's just this system we've got set up, this old system of, of bringing animals to the temple and sacrificing them and asking for forgiveness. Well, it makes you clean in the moment. It's just not going to change anything. It's just going to be the way it's going to be forever unless we make a change. And Jesus said there's going to be a change. Now, it could stay like this or what Jesus said is something new is coming. You know, think of the wineskins when he said that new, an old wineskin can't contain what is new. So when Jesus puts something new in, everything changes. And what Jesus was going to do was go to the cross and do a once and for all forgiveness. He was going to send his Holy Spirit and power was going to come. And truth was going to come. Mercy was going to come. Grace was going to come. And it was going to change everything. And I think it was probably, he was describing something like this. But that's the effectiveness of grace in our lives. That's the effectiveness of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the power of forgiveness in our lives. We could continue doing the old things. We, we could have continued like the Jews, just every day, sacrificing animals, saying, I'm sorry, but nothing really would have changed but the grace of Christ changed everything absolutely everything so what is it that we need to change in light of this new kingdom being ushered in this grace that has been shown to us this grace that we've been singing about this evening the grace poured out on us from the cross the mercy that was poured out on us we need to new, live a new life we need to live a new life we cannot live in constant fear. We cannot live in constant guilt. We cannot live in constant shame. We're told to live a new life. The things that hamper us, the things that we don't really want to tell anybody about, the things that we keep in the quiet, the things that we keep silent, don't do that anymore. You want to live a life now in the light. You can come to God. You can come to one another and you can be forgiven because that's what Jesus paid for us. It's a new life. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't look at the way the world does things anymore. We don't look at the old things. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. This is what Jesus was talking about. The old ways are going to have to go. They cannot support what I am going to do. Things are going to be different. Don't live the old way anymore. No fear, no guilt, no shame. There was freedom that was going to be poured out. And we need to live our lives in light of that freedom. Secondly, we need to show people grace. We need to show people the grace that we have been given. I had a picture a long time, but probably a year ago now, and God spoke into my life and said, I'm pouring out grace on you. I'm constantly giving you grace. But grace only works when it flows. If I give you grace and it stops with you, like fresh water, it just kind of, it will fade, it will get dirty, it will get manky, and it won't clean things anymore. The grace, you need to show grace to people like I show it to you. It was a tough day. But we need to show people grace. Grace needs to flow. So we need to stop being so judgmental in light of what Jesus has done for us. This new kingdom doesn't call for an eye for an eye. This new kingdom doesn't call for revenge because Jesus says, I'll sort that out. This is about grace. This is about you forgiving one another. It says everyone's welcome, not just the holy, not just the good. Everyone is welcome because I've made a way for them. You know, perhaps our views on the world, perhaps of people. You know, perhaps there's, 
there's someone that you can't forgive. Perhaps there's someone, maybe not even here, someone you're, you're thinking of, or a, a, a situation at work, or a boss, and you're just thinking, I cannot get past that. I cannot get past that. They're just so bad. They just treat me so badly. But Jesus is saying, that has to change. This whole business of, of vendettas, this whole business of unforgiveness has to change. Now, when someone asks you for your shirt, I want to give it off your back. I want you to give everything to them. Everything has to change. I want you to be like me, him who gave us everything. I want you to be able to give everything away in my name. Don't judge people. Jesus came for everybody. All of us, not just the tax collectors, the prostitutes and the murderers, not the people we look at and think, they need Jesus. Jesus came for all of us because we all need him. We can't judge. The third thing they were going to have to change was their view of the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was going to be this warrior king riding in on a big white charger with a sword in his hand, lopping off heads and just turning the world upside down and setting the Jews free. They didn't realize that whether he was going to set people free was by forgiving them of their sins once and for all. He was there to be no warrior king. He was going to be a servant king. Mark 9 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the other big change that we would have to make, that they would have to make, that we have to make, is that we are to serve one another. We're not to be entitled. We're not to expect things. We are expected to serve like Jesus did because of what he did for us. We also need to change our mindset. Imagine the mindset of, of living before Jesus died and rose again, that idea that every time you did something wrong, you'd, you'd have to take an animal to the temple. You'd have to, maybe couldn't afford it, so you had to try and scrap around and, and try and get some doves or some birds and, and take them to the temple. And if you didn't do it, you know that you were going to get cast out. You're going to get told to leave the city, told to leave the camp, be put outside the company, the nation of Israel. You'd be, you'd be cast out. The pressure of living with that, that defeatist mindset. You know, if you've got a mindset tonight where you think it, it just doesn't, it won't, it can't work because... There's always a reason why something can't work. There's a reason why something won't work. I can't do it. But Jesus has made a way. Change our mindset. And what was Jesus' mindset? Well, it says in Philippians 2, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Again, it's that mindset of servanthood. Everything is going to change. There's no entitlement. Remember James and John arguing over who was going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. It's not about that. It's about who can you get to the bottom? Who can get to the bottom and lift others up? That's what we're called to do. That's the change that's coming. It's not about who can be at the top, who can be the best, who can be the greatest. It's who can be the lowest. Who can get to the bottom and support everybody? Who can get to the bottom and lift someone else up? That is what Jesus was calling us to do. That was the change that was coming. And you see, this old system couldn't support that. It was all about the law. It was all about being righteous. It was all about being holy in front of others. It was all about looking good and doing the right thing. There was no room in that for serving others because it's all about what we did and what we look like the last thing we need to change or they needed to change and so do we is our hearts 
We have to make room in our hearts for what Jesus is going to do. Because it's not just going to affect us, it's going to affect others. You think of the gas expanding in that bottle. It's like, can you imagine, can you remember that day when you were saved? Can you remember the joy in your heart? Did you feel that your heart was going to burst? You just felt that you could fly. That's what Jesus does. That's what grace does. And what Jesus was saying is, you need to make room in your hearts for what I'm going to do. This is the verse I was given when, when I was saved. But this is what we need to do with our hearts. We need to make room in our hearts for what Jesus is going to do. We cannot have stiff, hard hearts. We need to soften them up. We need to allow Jesus to do that. We now need to allow him in to do that. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. I should know it. <laughs> it says, I will replace your heart of stone and I will replace it with a heart of flesh and then you will pursue me. So we need a heart that is flexible. We need a heart that is soft. We can't have a hard heart that is uh, around rules. We can't have a hard heart around judgment. We can't have a hard heart around looking at others and, and imagining that we are better, that we're doing it right. We need a soft heart that says, Jesus, you have your way. You do whatever you need to do with my heart, and I'm going to do whatever I can do to make room for whatever it is you're going to do in me. Because his grace abounds. You know where sin abounds? That phrase, grace, abounds even more. And we're going to keep sinning, all of us. So guess what? His grace will abound even more. The grace just keeps coming and coming and coming. Just like the wine in a wineskin, it keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. And Jesus says, you need to be ready for this. You need to be ready because there is so much for you. So what is the big difference here? There was an old way and a new way. There's the old covenant, the old testament, and there's the new covenant, the new testament. There was an old way and there was a new way. An old law and a new law. See, the old law wasn't to be scrapped. Jesus said, I'm coming to fulfill the law. I've not come to replace it, not to get rid of it. These, these laws are good for you. These laws are a great guide for you. These are how you should live. But these old laws, these always point to a new kingdom. They point to the need for it. They point to it coming. The old law prepares for the new coming, prepares for the new kingdom, but it must give way to it. You see, the old way of doing things was all about works. It was all about how good you were, all the things that you did, all the things that you stored up, all the wealth that you had, all the times that you went to church, all the times that you raised your hands, all the times that you prayed for somebody, all the times that you looked really holy, all the times that you preached a good sermon. But none of it matters because that's all about us. We couldn't buy our own freedom. We couldn't ever give God what we needed to get over our sin. The sin that we have racked up in our life, we could never pay for. That's why the old system could never work. It was never really going to pay for anything that we had done wrong. It would never really reconcile us to God. So God had to send Jesus. This was going to be the new way, the one and only and final sacrifice. This was about the work of Christ on the cross. This was the new way. This was the new kingdom. It says in Ephesians 2, For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that's the thing about good works, they're good. They are good, and we should keep doing them. We should keep doing good works. The Bible says we should never get tired of doing good. But we mustn't let the good works overtake he who is good. 
We mustn't let the good works overtake God. There is nothing we can do to buy our salvation. There is nothing we can do to buy someone else's salvation. The only way people are saved is through the grace of God. And this was going to be the new system. This was going to be the new way. And this is a system in which we live today. What Jesus was also saying to them was that it was going to spread. This new kingdom was going to spread. This was the expanding gas. This was the fermenting wine in the old wine in the new wineskin. It was going to have to stretch. It was going to have to grow because this now wasn't for just Israel. This wasn't just for the Jews. This was for everybody. This this new gift of forgiveness, this new gift of mercy and grace was for everybody. Everybody was welcome. And Jesus was painting a picture. It can't fit in this. It can't fit in this old system because this old system is for you. This is for Israel. This is for the Jews. But nobody else can live like this because they're not Jews. But I want everybody. I want everybody. Everybody in this room he had in his eye. Everybody that you know he had in his eye when he knew this new system was going to have to come into place. But it was going to cost him. It was going to cost Jesus so much. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and ushered in this new kingdom and showered his grace upon us. See, grace, Jesus' grace knows no bounds. Nothing can contain it. No wineskin, no bottle, no person, no building. Nothing can contain the grace of Jesus, which is poured out on us all. See, the old is gone and the new has come. I want to ask you this evening, will you make room for grace in your life? I want to ask you a few questions. Are you sewing a patch onto a situation are you doing it yourself? Is there a problem you've got and you're trying to fix it? And you're trying to sew a patch on this problem? It's not going to work. It won't work if you do it yourself. Perhaps you're struggling with a view or an opinion of someone. Perhaps you've got a beef with someone, some unforgiveness. And you're trying to patch it up. But it's not going to work unless you allow God in, unless you allow grace into your heart, unless you soften your heart. Is this something God is asking you to let go of maybe this evening? Perhaps it's something that is dear to you, but God said, I need you to let that go. I've got a lot for you, but you need to let go of that before you can have what it is that I'm giving you. Have you made a promise to God to go all in? Perhaps you've said to him, pour in the new wine, Lord. I'm ready for the new wine. I wonder how many of us have prayed that prayer. I'm ready for new wine. I want more of it, Lord. I want whatever you've got, pour it in but you're in an old wineskin. You're still trapped in the, I need to do this and I need to do that. You're still trapped in the rules, still trapped in the, in the good works. See, if you want Jesus to pour it all in, you've got to say goodbye to the old system and hello to the new system. You've got to say, Jesus, I will take whatever you're willing to give me, but you've got to know what comes with that. You're going to have to stretch. Like a new wineskin, you have to stretch, you're going to have to grow. Your shape might have to change, you might have to do things differently. Are you prepared to do that? And if you are, Jesus wants to pour a new wine into you this evening. He wants to give you something new. Perhaps you need to surrender to God completely tonight. Perhaps you didn't even realise there were two systems. Perhaps you have been living this system of, well, I'm a good person. I'm doing okay. I help people cross the road. I help people at the checkout. I'm kind to people, I'm good to people, I look after my neighbour, I'll do favours for them, I'm a good person. Unfortunately, it doesn't count for anything. 
It's great what you're doing, but it doesn't count for anything. Perhaps you think by coming to church every week and sitting in the same place, listening to the same sermons every week, you think by being here, that will be enough. But it won't be, because you need the grace of God in your life. You need to accept Jesus into your life. So perhaps you need to surrender to Jesus tonight and receive the grace, and perhaps your life may look, well, I can guarantee you, your, your life will look very, very different. Maybe you're holding on to a ministry or a way of doing life, and God is saying that it needs to be his way. Perhaps you're holding on a little bit too tight, and God is saying, I want you to stretch. I want to give you some new wine, but you've got to let go of this thing you're holding on to. You're holding on to it too tight. It's not yours, it's mine. Let go and let me do it. So what I wanted to hopefully get across to you this evening is these two things, this picture and a challenge. The picture was when Jesus came, everything changed. Everything was going to change. And the challenge is, are you still living in the old or are you living in the new? Now maybe you've given your life to Christ and you know Jesus, but it could be that you've fallen back into habits of doing things yourself, of relying on you, relying on the system, relying on the things that you've always done it. I've always done it that way and it's worked. I've always done it that way and I'm going to resort to that way. But Jesus is saying to you tonight, I've got something new for you. I want to do things fresh again. I want to stir things up in you. I want to pour new wine into you. Perhaps tonight you don't know Jesus. You've never met him. You've never considered giving him your life. Well, your life, in fact, I'm going to do it again as a pictorial. But I really want you to know that if you give Jesus your life, and if you know him and you surrender your life to him, then it can go from being very boring very stagnant and wondering what on earth is coming next to looking like that. Just look at that. There's nothing theological in that. There's nothing special. I just want you to visualize that. That's what God wants your life to look like. He wants it to look like it's expanding. He wants to pour grace into you. He wants you to rely on him. He wants you to rely on his grace. He wants you to rely on his mercy. He wants you to rely on his love. He doesn't want you to rely on what you look like. He doesn't want you to rely on how often you come to church or how often you serve or what you do. He wants you to know everything that you want, everything that you need comes from him. So there was a change coming. Jesus was telling them about this huge change, this this earth-changing moment where he was going to go away, but he was going to come back, and then he was going to go away, and then he was going to come back. He was trying to explain that to them. He said, you need to be ready because things are going to be different. So I want to ask you tonight, are you ready for things to be different, whether you know him or not? So I'm going to ask the band to come up and, and play. And they're going to play this song called Make Room. And as we listen to it, we'll just listen together. And then we're going to sing it together as well. And I want to give you the opportunity, when we start to sing it together, if you would like ministry this evening, for anything, but particularly, perhaps if you're, if you're stuck. You've been stuck for a while. And you've been thinking, where, where is God? What's going on? I want you to think, have I been doing things my own way? Haven't been making room for what God wants to do. Is there any more room in my heart? Or do I need to ask him to give me a new heart? Because he will. He promises to give us a heart of flesh in place of a heart of stone. So perhaps you need a new heart this evening. Perhaps you need Jesus to come into your life this evening. Perhaps you need things to change in your life. Stop living 
the old ways. Stop relying on yourself and stop relying on Jesus because there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. It's all Jesus. He did it all. He does it all. And he will do it all. Whatever you need comes from him. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to the people around you. Look to him this evening.